In today's episode of At Home the Podcast, we're looking forward to an invigorating conversation around the topic of technology. And as we've already sat around the table today talking about technology, we realized just between the four of us, Angie Brenneman, Dustin Eby, Brant Nine, myself, Chris Knight, that there is a lot of things that have changed in our age groups between when Angie and I, we'll just say our generation and your generation, when it comes to this topic of technology, things have changed in a very rapid fashion. So we wanna talk about this topic of technology today and really the impact that it is having on homes. Yeah, I mean, Chris and I are not digital natives. We did not grow up with a phone in our hands. That's right, you're not. Yeah. We are, Dustin. <laughs> kind of, I mean, we are. I am, Dustin. <laughs> Dustin is in the gray area. He's kind of between both. Yeah. Yep. I am. First phone at 15. So there you go. Okay. So here's the deal. I, we sat around the table and we all wanted to say, when was our first introduction to technology? And really my father, who we, we know is a great guy. He, he gave me for my 13 year old birthday, a phone in my closet so I could pick it up and dial my friends, you know, just but it's a line. It was a landline, right, Chris? Remember what those things were called, landlines? Yeah. 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 Well, and and I don't know if you have more you want to share about that. Well, I wanted to even tell you, I remember my landline number because you, (laughs) yes, 773-2302 was our landline number. And it went with us wherever we moved because you could take your landline with you. And so we moved from Marion Street down right close to where the uh, Boys and Girls Club was and where FCDC now is, out to County Road 54, and our landline went with us. Kind of like our email goes with us wherever we go now. Well, long story short, he gave that to me at 13. Well, then when I graduated college, I got my first cell phone mm-hmm. at 22. And mm-hmm. it was not just any cell phone. It was a red cell phone. And it is found in my um, toy box at my mom and dad's house that the kids play with that they have to pull up the antenna. And actually, look, uh, it looks kind of like... Really big, like Zach yes, Morris from yes, Saved by the Bell. It's so yeah. like ancient is the yeah. word I would use. So I will fully disclose that I'm 50 years old. And yeah... I graduated college without a computer, but only had a word processor that I could see three lines of of information on it. And uh, I made it, you guys, I made it. I remember, you talk about cell phones or or landline phones. I can remember being a high school boy and the challenge of wanting to call a girl and you dial the number and you pray and you pray and you pray that her dad will not pick up the phone. (laughs) But it always ended up that way. And, and, you know, dads, I wish that would have been around when my daughter was was I, uh, dating because I would have loved to have had the first conversation. What a, what a fun screening process that would have been to be able to be the, the yeah. guy who picks up when, when boys call. Yeah. Well, and your brother or sister could actually be on the other line listening to your conversation. We were talking before we pushed record on this episode about, about how many times we hung up, right? Yeah. When it's a dad or right. somebody on the other line, hang up real fast. And then caller ID came out and then you're like stuck in that gray area. Huh? I know who called, but why did they just hang up on me? Yeah. yeah. How old were you, Brent? Uh, when I got my first phone, I was 15, 16 years old when my mom started sharing her phone with me. And so we had a landline too, believe it or not. You guys are looking at me like I've never experienced a landline. I never experienced one in my closet. That's kind of weird, Angie, but um, (laughs) I did. We did have a landline. It was 773-4894. I remember that. Um, But no, I would take my mom's phone when I would leave and and drive and all that kind of stuff. But I do remember as like my junior year of high school, I got my first 
uh, personal cell phone. That was a big deal. Actually lit up on the sides. I thought that was pretty cool. And the fact that it could take pictures, I was I was rocking it. So mm. big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. What about you, Destin? Yeah, I was fifteen and got my first phone, and it was just a it was a small small little flipper, and that's what so it got me through high school. Love that thing. Actually, funny story. I <clears throat> we I I think it was my sophomore year. My phone broke. And so I didn't get a new phone, which at the time wasn't really that big of a deal because they weren't as big as they are now. But I found a, we were at the Verizon store and they had this big cardboard cutout of a phone and I asked if I could take it. And they looked at me like I was weird and they're like, yeah, that's, that's fine. And so I, I brought that cardboard phone to school <laughs> and so I'd have it in my side of my pants. And so when people were like, hey, you guys need to put your phones away, I'm like, all right. So I'd shut the cardboard phone and... You had it in the side of your pants. Is that how you used to say pockets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't fit. It was oh. so big. It was massive. Oh, it was, it was a like big a, one. It was like two feet and by one foot. That's huge. It was a big phone. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to be cool like you. Yeah. Thank you. That's courageous cool. asking for the cardboard stuff. At <laughs> well, we realize though that technology has advanced so fast because if we even think back, okay, so I can remember this, and I really, when you guys were talking about your phones, I actually remember my the flip phone that Dan and I had when we got married, we kind of shared, it was just a reality. So this is one of the things like we kind of just take this as an object that we just took it into our lives without a lot of thought to it. So I was thinking about today, how technology has come into our lives without not a lot of thought for each of us. And so kind of before I got a phone, we would go on trips. What would, did, did you own one of those Rand McNally massive maps in your car um, before? Yes. Yes. And it was thick. It was really thick. And you, Rand McNally. <laughs> McNally. McNally. Yeah. But you guys really have no idea what that is? No. Zero. Like an oh, my oh. word. Yes. It was like a massive atlas. Yes. And it took you to places all around, and it would show you where, like, the gas stations were. It would show you where rest stops were. And so you would want to go ahead of time especially if you're the navigator, like my husband's going to drive and we are going to go and I had better know where the rest stop was. Map it out, you yeah. know, you map it out and you actually go to your destination. Well, before all, we had these little phones in our pockets that had everything computer wise to like navigate for us. I had to do that. And so I went out to Arizona to visit my sister and I had no like GPS signal. Okay. And I get off the plane in Tucson, Arizona, and I have to go towards the Mexican border in the middle of the night. <laughs> With just yes. your Rand McMally. <laughs> Yes, but I say this is that I actually had it all written down. Like I had it written down. I had a map in my head, in my and on my piece of paper, and I knew when I was going to turn, what the like, like what it was going to look like because my sister kind of talked me through it a little bit, and then I did it. And the thing is, is I look back and I was like, oh my word, I don't think I'd ever do that again right now because it was in the middle of the night. In the desert. Right. Oh, well, even when we were growing up, we had MapQuest, so we didn't have necessarily the, the phone yet, but like Map, I'd print off directions to yeah, go to yeah. wherever. And I think back now, because like, I mean, there's a big push, obviously, which I'm glad there is, but like, I mean, don't be on your phone while you're, while you're driving, all that stuff. But like, trying to look at those directions while you're driving couldn't have been any safer either. I mean. <laughs> right, right, right. But here's my point. So we do all that to get to somewhere because we want to know where we're going and we know what it looks like and we want to have an answer. We have let technology come into our lives without a map and without any directions on where to go. And I think as parents, as um, staff members sitting around a table, they're trying to lead a church in the right directions toward Jesus. This technology question cannot be ignored. 
Well, even you bring up church. What's one of the first things we say right before the message? Hey, if you'll take out your phones, uh, if you go to the app, you'll find our notes, you know, use your Bible. Yeah. I mean, it's in, and the thing is, it's not going away. So we have to say, we have to realize that this is here to stay. It's not going away. And so let's, let's have a map. Let's have a, like a discussion on what this journey looks like. And it looks like you know, different for everybody. And mm-hmm. I love what you said, Brant. Why don't you go a little bit into kind of, this is one of your subject matters we wanted to bring up and the hot topic we wanted to talk about yeah. and kind of give us a little bit of background on that. Yeah. As far as, as our hot topics that we got to choose, I chose uh, putting technology in its place. And so one of the books that I read prepping for this was Andy Crouch's book, The Tech Wise Family. And he speaks to this idea that everything in our lives has a proper place. Um, we talk about our kids like putting their toys away, like Dustin and I are really in the stage right now. Um, put your clothes away, put your food away, put the crafts away, whatever it is, we are always trying to put things in their proper place. Um, and to Andy's point, there is a proper place for technology in our family lives, and we must keep it there. Um, but it's hard because every family is different, and your view on how technology works in and amongst your family is different, and it's literally everywhere. Technology is literally everywhere. We were talking uh, before the show started about how we have devices in our pockets, how they're on our wrists, how they're attached to our walls, and, and some have even made it into our showers. There, There's no escape um, from technology, and, and so most children begin using technology at a very young age. In fact, LifeWay says they they begin at the age of two. And the first time I read that, I was like, that is crazy, age of two. And then I thought about our one-and-a-half-year-old who swipes through our phones and looks at our pictures while he's snuggling in bed with us. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's relatable. Yeah, because they know actually how to do it. Because they're little models. They kind of take off from, they say, oh, I want to see that. Right. And so I guess, you know, you you mentioned that you're not a digital native. I, I wouldn't say that. We were digital natives growing up, but it's we, we've kind of morphed into it as, as millennials. We've kind of morphed into this. But I would say my kids, our kids specifically, are digital natives. Like they, they have not experienced life without the World Wide Web at, uh, at just a fingertips length away. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I think what you're saying is we have to lay this map. We actually have to figure out what our end goal is for our family so that we can put technology in the proper place. Because right. if we're going to journey, if we're going on a journey together as a family in our faith walk with Jesus, we have to kind of map out because it's real. It's there. It's going to be an obstacle we're going to come across in in our paths with our kids, our teenagers. And right. so what does this look like? And I think there's a couple points you brought up. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it's easier said than done. But if we delve into some practical practices that might help us create a family culture being where our feet are, right? And so a couple of the points that we have are, are just this whole aspect of social media. But then, uh, then, you know, at the end of the show, we'll talk about, you know, boundaries and what that looks like, too. So, if, you know, Dustin and I were talking about MSN and AOL Messenger, before the show started. And that was that was kind of like the social media of our middle school and beginning of high school lives. I don't know if you can speak to a little bit of that. It's so funny to me because you just would finish school with some of these same friends and you were so excited to run home and get on the computer just to chat with those same friends digitally. <laughs> I mean, it's you're not talking about anything different than you were <laughs> 10 minutes ago, but it's the fact that it's through a digital experience that made it exciting because it was new and it was just a new way to communicate. And I think that is what has it was exciting initially, and I think now what has happened is it has become a way, like that is that is the norm now. Digital mm-hmm. communication is the norm. And so having face-to-face 
interaction and communication with with other people especially with with teenagers isn't as normal and you know it's you can see that played out even as these you know teenagers enter the real world whether it's you know going off to school or start jobs and just being able to have those conversations face to face and the challenge that that often brings I remember when my kids were teenagers and we would say something to the effect of, hey, why don't you give uh, so-and-so a call real fast? And they'd be like, dad, why I have to call them? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, just pick up the phone and call. Can I text them? No, call them. Like, pick up the phone and call them. And now it's interesting. I find myself with those options, right? I'm calling customer service somewhere and I can either call and sit online or I could use the chat function. I choose chat every time. Hmm. Because it's, it's almost like something we've become conditioned to. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of artificial conversations that are starting to take place, whether it's over a phone or we're not doing it face-to-face anymore. I think, um, to, to Dustin's point, is really important to note that these kids, like you're saying, are all digital natives. They've grown up. They've communicated digitally with their friends. They're actually on iPads at school and on Chromebooks, communicating with their teachers and even doing emails on at a very, very young age. So I would beg to say, how are their soft skills being developed. So what's a soft skill brand? You would say one of the soft skills that if you and I were sitting in a room, it would be what eye contact, looking at each other face to face, having that conversation. Mm -hmm. How hard is that for a high schooler in today's society? Because technology is actually all they know. Yeah, I think the more that I'm around, even even just the older version of these Gen Z's, the college age kids, there's a lot of of these young adults who they function in this world of multitasking, right? And so they're talking to you and they're in the room, but they're not where their feet are mentally. Um, They're a part of the conversation, but they're not engaged in the conversation. And a lot of times when I'm speaking to these high school students, these young adults, they have a phone in their hand. And I find myself doing this too, because like Chris said, we're almost being conditioned by this, this, uh, uh, this culture of, of just, how we do life with technology now. And, and it's hard to be fully present. And for these kids, it's almost, it almost causes them anxiety to be fully present. It does present, cause anxiety. Um, yeah. To look you in the eye, to have a conversation um, with you in that regard. And so the, you know, we talk about how a cup of coffee can help uh, bridge the gap of those social anxieties. Well, the phone plays that role mm-hmm. in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you. I do think when I say it does create anxiety because this is like proven. We are in like this 15-year social experiment. And I think we we realize now after a little bit in that this next generation is growing up with more heartache because of a phone versus really re- real relationships. And the amount of information that comes across those screens changes how they think right and and to not just pick on like teenagers i mean i think adults we often struggle with the whole idea of not being where our feet are with the phone too because we i think we experience a little bit of the fomo of the fear of missing out whether it's the next email the next text the next call it's like just always feeling like that we have to be available because we have a phone and i don't know if that's on on us or whatever you know the the culture that has been created by by technology but just this feeling of feeling like we always have to be available. It's like, sometimes I feel like if I miss a call, like that I'm being rude that I didn't pick up or I'm not calling mm-hmm. back right away. Or if I get a text, like what's the appropriate amount of time before I can text back and it not feel like it's, is it, is the next day too rude? Cause they're like, well, I know you saw it, you know, cause we all look at our phones. So, but being able to almost 
go against culture when it comes to technology, be able to say, no, it's, it's okay. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we have phones, but that doesn't mean that us as, as people are always going to be available to them. Right. Angie, you, you and I have talked about this briefly, but those dopamine hits, mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. that in a, in a conversation with me a couple of days ago. And so I don't know if you want to expound on that, but it kind of goes along with Dustin's uh, thought on fear of missing out. It is so true. So it's not only, um, and even researchers have proven that it's not just the fear of missing out now, that this generation is actually fearing also being left out. Mm. So that when they post on socials, when they do those things, that there is um, somebody that's not president that photo is seen and they're feeling left out and that creates so much you know friendship anxieties and so much bigger and so i say this is that we um our parents we are individuals um christ followers who are in a society and in a culture and in a movement really that is that has is not controlled by us. Mm-hmm. It's trying to control us. And and in that, it has algorithms. It has um, a reason behind it's doing things. And sometimes we're not even aware of those algorithms and how they're driven to give us that high and that low and to drive us. When we get the low, we go back because we want the high so bad. And it's, it's crazy. And the people who develop these things are really um, out there trying to think, how can we make this person want to get on this app again and again and again? And so we as adults, we can all sit around this table and talk about it in real time and kind of say, okay, let's put it, let's be where our feet are. Let's put our phone away. But what happens to a 12 year old? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, here, here's what most parents have discovered about social media Um, because social media is there. It's trying to get you addicted to um, what they're, what they're selling or what they're providing. And, and so most parents have discovered, uh, social media to be distracting and a catalyst for sinful behavior. And I think that, you know, you hear that and you're like, yeah, absolutely. Um, here are some potential pitfalls according to Lifeway. One social media is not always reality, right? We know this more than ever now. Social media fosters loneliness, mm-hmm. which is kind of an oxymoron if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be mm-hmm. social, but it's it's fostering loneliness. Social media leads to a lack of real genuine connection with flesh and blood people. We talked about this just mm-hmm. a little bit ago. And social media misdirects identity. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge in, in, in our culture right now, especially with with young Christian teenagers and even young adults. And, and honestly... It, it, it bleeds over, like Dustin was saying, into into all of us. We find our identity in what people are, how people are affirming us online, how people are including us online, um, how many people are liking our posts and our pictures and saying our family's beautiful. We find our identity in that stuff versus Christ a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it's not just um, identity, but it's value and worth and that we have a purpose and I think oftentimes we get so stuck, like why, you know, who's my friend and why are they my friend? Well, I need to prove it to them why they're my friend. And I honestly think in, I, I said this around the table before we got on, I would be very honest, like what I would do differently and what I feel like I had done right. Cause Chris and I are sitting here and we have kids that are actually on their own and they are like empowered to make their own decision. But how do you get to that healthy decision when they're 18 to do you know, whatever. And I would say that um, when you, the question isn't when to get the phone. And I think we've talked about that. It's mm-hmm. not, oh, wait, when do I, you know, when do I get my kid the phone? I want to follow them at school. I want them to be able to call me when they get off the bus mm-hmm. and I'm at work. 
That's actually not the question. It's what you want your kid to be like at 22 years old. That's the question. What do you want their mind and their heart to be formed like? And what decisions will you make? It's about the map. It's the end result. It's not about the moment. And I say that is that I think sometimes technology just takes the moment without us even thinking. And that's what I mean. It just comes in. You know, mm-hmm. we buy our, we get, we get our text message and it just floods and it changes a moment, you know, and it just changes everything. But we have to have the long view. And the reason I say this is this was really, really, it was one of the hardest things we did. Dan would tell you that I kind of pushed past and let the kids get phones at 13, you know, 13, 14, and he would have probably waited till they're 20. Okay. But the reason why we, we, we had this head to head conversation and I, and, and he agrees with me now. And we, we both look at each other and we want our kids to fail while they're with us. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to fail while they're with us because they don't really have anybody helping them walk through it when they're out in the real world. Yeah, we'll still be their parent and we're still going to walk with them. But when we want our kids to learn is we want them to, to, to fail with us there to help them. So, But also it's making the decision to say no when everybody else is saying yes. Mm-hmm. And that is stinking hard. Mm-hmm. It is really hard. And um, I can say this because Grace... Um, was in his position. Everybody on the the team had Snapchat except her, mm. so she was left out of the team thread. And it was it was very obvious that she wasn't in the team thread. But she was really glad in the end too that she wasn't in the team thread because she got left out of some hard situations when she was a freshman, and um, it was okay. But I say this is that she didn't get her Snapchat. And honestly, my other two don't even have Snapchat. They got um, Instagram at 15. And do you, do you have Snapchat, Dustin? I don't. No, I've no, never had it. No, I don't have it. me so much. I, know. I have no but idea But it is literally, doing. and I say this, it is literally how they communicate yeah. when they get to. Yep. So what happened in college is she got recruited. And so what did they do? They formed a Snapchat group for all the recruits and all of that. So I let her get Snapchat for that reason. But the, she would tell you, she goes, man, this is, she would, if you ask a kid now, they'll say it's not the best. It really isn't. It's not that great. I don't really, I wish I didn't have to have it. And I, and I say that is because I, and I sit around this table and parents and people that are listening, you have to do what's right for your family. You have to discern and understand where your family's at and who your kids are and help them be known with you so that then they feel that, that identity. They feel that value in real time with you, with Jesus, and they're not looking to it on the phone. And so anyways, those are just a couple of my thoughts. Chris, what are your thoughts on what maybe you did right or wrong in the, in the past? We, we tried to figure out when was the right time to have a cell phone. And and that was hard. We had kids at practices or different things and you didn't want to leave them there if everybody else got left and now they don't have a way to get a hold of you. And so there was that dilemma. So we were right around that age as well, 13. And Man, honestly, it's just a hard conversation. I don't know if we did it right. I don't know that we always did it wrong. Uh, I know that there's a lot of struggle in it. I know there's a lot of bullying that goes on mm-hmm. online. Um, uh, we tried to set some boundaries of where the phone can be in the house. Uh, one boundary we did set is we need to know your password. And so we can check it whenever we want. That's ours. That's, so. And if you delete everything, we'll know that you did something. We don't have to know what it was, but you're getting me in trouble. Uh, 
And the same is true today. I mean, even as adults, you know, Shauna has access to my phone whenever she wants it. She can pick it up. She knows my password. I know hers. It's just the boundaries that I think are healthy in those places. You know, times that I think I failed as a dad uh, when I just got really relaxed with the discipline and the boundaries Mm -hmm. uh, because then it created patterns and then it was almost too hard to come backwards and reinstate them again. So, you know, towards the teenage years, as they were getting to the end, phones were in rooms and it it, it wasn't healthy. And I think they would say today, looking back, it wasn't the healthiest either. Yeah. And I think when we were talking about social media, I also want to throw in this and you guys can um, uh, uh, talk back to this, but it's not just social media apps. It's things like YouTube and video games too, that we haven't thrown in this technology discussion because it's real. It, those are just as addictive. Those are very much um, kind of one of those things where you got to find out what the new crazy thing is going on. And Brant knows because Brant was in our conversation. We were driving home from the dunes on July 4th, and we actually talked about Brant and his um, his understanding of what bring boys to, to YouTube. And it is really people doing crazy things. And I think we have to realize that it's not just um the social media apps it is youtube it is video games yeah yeah just to play off of that a little bit my nephew is clayton freed and on youtube he is known as freed diesel and he's got he's got a few super impressed that he was your nephew he's got a few followers um (laughs) and he blew up his hand on july 3rd and i was the only family kind of around and so i met him at the hospital that night but um yeah he is i guess you would call him a youtube sensation um, I mean, you know, it's pretty close to, to my videos on YouTube. Mm, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Getting close to a million. Right. No, but all that to say, yeah, you're right. When you say it's real, I, I actually thought of R-E-E-L, those reels. reels. Oh, yeah. That's real because I could sit there as an adult and just scroll through those and watch videos. Even at night as Francie and I lay in bed, you talk about putting your phone to bed before you put you, yourself to bed. There are times where we, we don't do that. We, we lay in bed and we watch reels and we just laugh. A lot of John Christ videos. Yeah. We just laugh and, and we and we enjoy that time together. But again, it's so addictive. Oh, yeah. The kids have a, a real, they have a sibling reel um, that they exchange. You, you know, we've talked a lot about yeah. technology, but one thing we haven't introduced is the concept of artificial intelligence. Oh, AI yeah. is really starting to take over. Yes. You look at where we've been the last 15 years. Now we're heading into this AI. Uh, as a photographer, there's a big debate in photography right now because the software that I have has AI connected to it. And that simply means that you can alter an image so much to where nothing really seems like it was. You could go to the same place you took a picture and you would look at the image you took and the actual scene that you were you took it in and you'd say, they don't look anything alike. Because you mm. can make all kinds of things happen. I can make that, the green that we look outside the window at right now, I can make that all look like a fall scene. And, and you wouldn't know that it wasn't fall, that the picture was taken in. It's mm-hmm. just nothing is reality. And so yeah. now the question is, how much is too much? And people are starting to get back. It's almost like that, that kind of course correction that keeps happening in life. How much is too much? And maybe we need to change to pull back. Change I think that's one of the things you talked about, Brant, in this is that there was this concept of boundaries. I mean, boundaries is a huge deal. And... Um, Brant, you laid this out kind of a, um, in a way that says, you know, not only be where your feet are, but set the boundaries. Yeah. One thing that I wrote was that 15 to 20 years ago, most households contained one computer that was typically centralized and visible within the entire house. Like I think back to 
our our computer, our Windows ninety eight computer. And again, I w- I'm I'm thirty one years old, so that was our first computer. I didn't have a a word <laughs> processor. What do you have? No, no, no. That's I didn't no, know. You're wording something. I over didn't there. know you, you were thirty one. Yeah, thirty one. Nice job. Yeah, a lot younger than you are. <laughs> no, all that to say, there's one. There was one computer in the house, and usually, I mean, I grew up with two sisters, older sisters, and so usually, I I wasn't on it as much because they demanded it, but. Um, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't as hard to set boundaries with something that was so centralized and in, in, in the public view of the household, if you will. Now there's a one-to-one ratio of devices in the house, or, or it could be, you know, three to one versus, you know, mm-hmm. your technology. A lot of people have a watch, a phone, uh, an iPad, uh, and a computer, a and TV, and a TV, then all, a Google of, home or a a, you know, yeah, a Google Home. Angie, you have one of those? Yes, we do. We have the Google Home. <laughs> it's called that, and you talk to it throughout the house, and it does. <laughs> what <laughs> Angie and I are making up for lost years, <laughs> so that we own we own all of it. <laughs> we want to be cool. Here's here's a debate that we were having before the show started: Is Google a search engine or is it an app? Mm. And I think that should be something you guys email us. Home yes. home at walkemc.org is that email, um, but. You know, there it's it's so personalized and so privatized now mm-hmm. um, that our kids, our kids are so vulnerable. Um, allowing them to have unrestricted access to the internet is not only dangerous nowadays; it's 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 a recipe uh, for disaster. And so, setting boundaries is is more important now than than ever. And that's 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 really important too. What you just said about the kids because they won't know that it's not super important in our lives if we continue to emphasize and prioritize it in our lives. So if, as long as we give the phone attention at the dinner table, give the phone attention at their ballet concert or soccer game, if we give the phone attention while we're trying to do their bedtime routine, then they're going to think that, that must there's something that's going on that must be so important that it's not worth giving me the full attention for. And so, I and I'd say that, I mean, with my hand raised very much so that I'm just as guilty, probably more so than anyone else with this. I, I really struggle. And so it's something that my wife, Sharice, has had to get on me about even lately of just saying, hey, we, when we get home, like, let's, let's truly just get away from the phones until the kids go down. And maybe we can hang out a little bit on them, but whatever, you know, so that's it's a challenge. I do. I do think that it is a challenge for each one of us. And Brant knows I don't like to use this word boundaries as much as I like to use the word guardrail. And um, the reason why I say this is it goes back to that journey from point A to point B. Mm. And when you're on a journey, you're in movement, okay? And what is a guardrail set up for? It's actually set up to give you safety parameters while you're on that journey. Mm -hmm. And I think it even changes depending on the age or stage that you're at in the journey. And so I say that is because parents, this goes back to what what I was saying, is you have to do what's good for your your family, for yourself, and for your child. But we all can't just sit here and say, we're just tossing all technology out the door. I mean, we kind of want that, but we don't. You have to lay the guardrails out, and it comes with different stages and ages. Right, right. Um, I have a quote here I want to quote by, uh, or I want to read to you guys by Hannah Brencher, and then Chris will wrap us up. Um, It goes along with, with everything we've been talking about. But Hannah Brencher says this, the vow of stability is a commitment to something which is maddeningly simple yet impossibly hard in today's culture. A commitment to being exactly where your feet are. Be where your feet are, even when it's hard. 
Be where your feet are, even when you wish it could be different. Be where your feet are, even when hope feels bleak. Be where your feet are, content in the mundane and the ordinary. The mundane and the ordinary. I think that's where the beauty of real life hides, out in plain sight. Social media has, a, ha, has us believing that our lives must be pulsing and buzzing with updates at all times. But the rhythms of everyday life are rarely packed with pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. That's a great challenge there, uh, Brand. Be where your feet are. Now, as parents, we have to model this for our kids. We have to set boundaries for our kids to practice this. We have to be aware, I think, of the distractions in order to limit their influence on our families. And that's a big, big deal today. It's time for us really as families, as, as adults now to get to work, to put this into practice, to put technology in its proper place. Friends, we're, we're glad that you joined us today. We, we hope that this is a conversation that doesn't stop here when the podcast ends. Maybe this is a conversation you need to have sitting around your, your kitchen table with your families. Maybe this is something you need to ask your small group. How are you handling technology in your home? Learn from each other. Let's make this something that we address and not neglect and ignore until it becomes a major issue in our home. Angie, real fast, uh, tell, tell our listeners how can people begin to access this type of information on our website and other resources that we might have? Yes, I'm super excited. We have our home at walkemc.org, our email set up. So if you have questions, just like uh, Brant said, email us those questions, email the answer as whether Google is a app mm-hmm. or a search engine. Mm-hmm. So anyways, home at walkemc.org. The other thing that's going to be uh, coming out here in the next couple days is our website. And there is a whole page that is going to not only have our um, podcast and feature that, it's going to have our blogs that are give us all the information and the notes that we're talking about and what the research we've done and the research sources and where to get them. And it's going to um, populate over time and over conversation as we dig into these hot topics. So we want to say thanks for joining us today. We're excited for the opportunity to continue to have conversations that surround the home and the impacts that they are having on our real lives today. Here at Walk EMC, we hope that we can walk with you. We want to walk with you in relationship. We want to celebrate the victories that you're having in the home, but we also want to be there in the challenging seasons of life. So if there are ways we can come alongside you, support you, we are here for you. Just simply reach out walkemc.org or home at walkemc.org. We would love to have conversations with you further. Until next time, may God bless your home.